Welcome to the Adventure Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here. Today, Pastor CJ continues his Love in the House series with a message called Honoring Families. As we look at God's design for a Christian family, we are going to see that he calls the family to work together. When we are doing our part within our family, things run smoothly. You might have to ask yourself this question, am I doing my part? We hope you enjoy this message. Hey, uh, today I want to talk to you today about love in the house. We're going to do something different today that I really normally don't do, and we're going to bring somebody on here in a moment. We're going to share. But I want to talk to you today about love in the house, family. How many of you know family is important? Amen? It was kind of cool. I, I was out in the hallway. Greet, hey, come on. Yeah, give the Lord a hand. Family is important. It's very important. Uh, it was so cool. I was out in the foyer greeting everybody, and I got to see uh, Amber and Brett. They were out there, and Amber and Brett were waiting for their family. And I introduced uh, 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 Kevin and Sue to Amber and Brett, and I said, hey, if you want to know anybody, just talk to Amber and Brett. They're all related to everybody that goes to church here. And so uh, that's what family's all about, getting to get together with each other, uh, uh, building relationships. You know what? I, I remember when I was uh, playing basketball, and I got uh, recruited to go to the Racine St. Cat for basketball, and I'll never forget, I, I wasn't familiar with the background, it was a Catholic high school, and I wasn't familiar with all their verbiage and all their thing, but one thing that really stood out with me with the coach was that the coach would always draw a pyramid on the, on the blackboard, he would draw a pyramid, back then they didn't have PowerPoints, right, kind of dating myself, they had chalk, and right, you know, whenever you heard that chalk, <laughs> kind of made your hair stand up, right, uh, he would always draw a pyramid on the chalkboard. And then what he would do, he put lines through the pyramid. And at the top of the pyramid, he would always say, God first, which obviously, seek ye first the kingdom of God, love the Lord your God with all your heart, right? So God has to be first. But he would always put the second thing was family. He would always say, God first, family second, school third, and basketball last. Well, because it was a basketball pedigree school, actually it was the other way around. But I always thought to myself, why would he say family? And I thought, man, how interesting. Because I was young, and I was still growing up in the family. I really didn't know uh, responsibilities. I never had to pay an electric bill and all these kind of things. So I was always wondering about family. But putting this message together, a story came to my mind about family. First of all, family, I, I know that myself with six sisters and a brother, that it was my family, my mom and my three fathers, and my, my niece is here, she knows all three of my fathers, uh, but my three fathers, but we had a family, and as, I'm, as my sisters were growing up, her grandma, my other sister Rhonda, I'll never forget when they kind of came across some hard times, my mom, and at that time, whatever stepdad it was, they would bring in my sister Gail and Paul, her grandpa, or my sister Rhonda and her husband Dennis, it was always family that was there to support the, the family. And the great thing about family is that family is there to support one another, to love one another, and to encourage one another, and to back one another. And this weekend, it was kind of cool talking with Brandy, because Brandy knows my story. And she said, Uncle CJ, tell me about your drug situation. Tell me more about it. She said, I heard about all the stories. She said, I I want to hear, because she goes to a church very similar to ours, where the pastor was a drug addict and all these things. So she said, Pastor, she said, CJ, tell me about your story. And she said, I heard about how you beat up grandma, and I heard about how you did these things and how you did that, that things. And then I told her another story about 
how I used to beat up my sister. And she started to cry. And, and the cool thing was that even though we had some hard times, Rhonda, with our family, it was always family that took us back in. And family is very important. I'm a, I'm a family guy. I love my eight grandkids, and soon, possibly even today, Donna, Donna called us early this morning, and she possibly was having contractions, and yet she had to go sing this morning and lead worship. So we might have a baby when we get out of here. Amen? And so that'd be kind of cool, right? Added to the family, right? But you know what? In Colossians, it talks about some vital things, and I'm going to move quickly because I want to get to where I'm going. In Colossians chapter 3, if you have your Bibles, which is going to be on the screen, it says this, wives submit yourselves to your husbands as it is fitting to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents and everything for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. So in other words, do you see there's, a, there's kind of a line upon line, precept upon precept. Wives, husbands, children, fathers. And God gives us a line upon line, rule upon rule. And if you know anything about a car, if a car is firing on all cylinders, it's powerful, it excels good, it, it, it runs good, it runs smooth, there's the knocking's not there. But it has the acceleration because all the cylinders are firing together. But if they're misfiring, what happens, it will backfire, it will spit and it will sputter, there'll be no acceleration, there'll be no power, because it's not working together. But a family unit, when a family unit works together, they fire on all cylinders, and there's something about when a family unit works together, everybody notices it. Man, there's something about that family. There's love in the house. There's love with that family. There's a communication with that family. There's that understanding with that family. And people recognize when a family is working together. But if you have your notes, I love this, four steps for the Christian family. It doesn't even have to be for the Christian family, but four steps for the family. Number one, wives, honor and respect your husbands. You know, wives, you want to be taken care of. You want to feel secure. You want to know that you're loved. You want to know that. But the greatest thing about a man, husbands and wives, or, or even kids, is that your man wants to be respected. A lot of times what happens is the man gets to a place that, man, all I am is a paycheck to the family. And so sometimes what happens is if you want to encourage your husband, children, if you want to encourage your dad, what you need to do is show respect to your dad and honor to your dad that, hey, I respect you, I appreciate you, all what you do for me and for mom and dad or whatever else. God, I, I appreciate all what you do. Men are driven by respect. They want to know that they're honored and appreciated for all what they do. But then the second one is this, husbands love your wives. And if you notice on your, love is not harsh and always having to have your own way, men. It's a, it's a two-way street. A lot of times what happens because we are the stronger vessel, men, a lot of times we overcome our women and we overcome our wives and we, we roar louder than our wives to make them be quiet. Therefore, we win the battle all the time because we always want it our way. But I find that when man and women work together, there's no limit to what you can do. Have you ever noticed where God took the bone from? He didn't take the bone from Eve's head or his, Adam's head, because that wouldn't mean that Adam would have ruled over her. He didn't take the, the bone from Adam's feet, because that would have meant that the woman would have been under him. But what he did, he took it from his side so that they could walk together. 
hand in hand, that they can walk equally together, dream together, plan together, prepare together, and not always having their own way. And so sometimes what happens with us men, we roar louder, and therefore because we roar louder, we intimidate our spouses or our kids because we want it our way or the highway. And so what happens here, another one is this, children obey your parents. In other words, obey your parents. I like this. You may not always agree with them, but we are to obey them. You know, a lot of times I didn't agree with my parents, but it's just out of respect and love and admiration for my, my parents, I did what they said. I did, would do, and you know, when I did what they asked me to do and I was obedient to what they asked me to do, what happened was, man, things went a lot smoother. I know that when I didn't do things the right way, my dad had a belt, man, and I'm going to tell you, wham. Nowadays, if you take out a belt, just the side of a belt, you get messed up. You get, call, you get, you get uh, called out after all the officials come to you and say, hey, that's physical abuse. You know, but back then, man, a belt was out. Hey, you know what I'm talking about. Somebody say amen, right? You know what I'm talking about, right? But look at this. Fathers and mothers, don't embitter your children. You know, hey, you know, I, I'm having a great time uh, coaching basketball here. I, I'm, I'm loving Siren Dragons. I'm loving, you know, being around the students. I love being in the hallways with the kids, meeting all the parents and all what's going on. But, you know, sometimes I see the other side now. Before, I used to be the outsider looking in. But now that I'm in the inside, I see some things that, man, sometimes really hurt my heart. And you know what it means by embittering your children by always putting them down. Man, sometimes I come in and I'm in amongst the crowd and I hear parents putting their kids down and man, belittling them in front of other kids or other students. And before you know that, those kids are so embarrassed. And one of the things that I have learned as a youth pastor when I used to go into cafeterias and sit with kids, hey, those kids don't need you and I to put them down because their students put them down. And man, they get beat up at class. They get beat up in the hallways. They get beat up in the, in the, in the cafeteria. And then they come home sometimes to us parents who belittle them and put them down and we make them bitter them and we get their hard hearts. And what happens is they get all this anger and rage within them and then they start acting out. And the way they act out sometimes is not the way we want them to, but they don't know how to express themselves or but only to act out. And so I, I sit with kids, man. You should see, I sit with kids a lot during the school time here. And man, I hear these kids cry. They say, man, my mom and my dad, they say this, they do that, and it hurts me. And we as parents, we always want an outlet for us, but sometimes we forget about the kids needing an outlet too. And so what does it say? Don't bring them into your fights. A lot of times we as parents want kids to choose sides. I'm right, she's wrong, he's wrong, I'm right. And we bring kids into sides and it pulls in like a tug of war. Make them, choose, uh, make them choose sides, call them names, or put them down in front of others. You know, I thought about the Lord calls the family to work together, all doing their own part to make things smoothly. A family is like a car, which I already explained. Why is family important? And I'm going to go to this real quick. So, Andrew, if you want to get ready to set her up on how we're going to do this, uh, I'm going to move real quickly. Why is family important? Our mental growth, our well-being and stability all depends on family. How many you know what I'm talking about? We need one another. You ever heard that old saying, as one man sharpens another, so does one man sharpen one another, iron sharpens iron. That we need each other. 
We need to sharpen each other. The family needs to be a place what? A family makes all members feel safe and connected to one another. That's what a family does. Is your house a place where it's safe, where you can, man, be a family, where people can come and rest and be at rest in that safety and know that, man, they don't have to face the, the problems of the world, that they can come home, your husband can come home from work without being a dripping faucet hearing or your kids not being enraged by you being angry? or What is your family life like? Is your place a place of safety? Is your home a place where, where people can come, a husband or a wife or your kids can come and find rest? If you're always man, angry, mad, and upset, then why would people want to come home to that? And so what happens is I have a, a family that I dealt with, man, back in Colorado, and I'll never forget. Are you here? I'll never forget, uh, oh, back here, <laughs> I don't know, they come up from behind me. I, I remember in Colorado that uh, I, I was dealing with a family, and they would never come home, whether it be the husband or the wife or the kids. And a lot of times, they didn't want to come home. And I'll never forget, Cheryl, and I worked with this family for, man, it was like six months or even longer. And one of the biggest things was that they didn't want to come home to is because no matter what was going on, Either the husband or the wife or the kids, one or the other, were always mad. And because they were always mad, there was never a restful or peaceful place to come home to. And it wasn't a safe place. And God desires that the family prays together, believes together, and is also a safe place together. Let me ask you, is your household a safe place where husband can come home, where wife can come home, where kids can be safe and not have to hear maybe you and your husband arguing or whatever the case may be? What kind of place or family are you? Are you a place or a family that people can look up to or are they looking down on? When we were growing up, when our kids were growing up, man, today, Brandy will tell you, we have so many kids that have adopted us as parents. All through my kids' years, man, from football to basketball, they would come to the house all the time. And throughout the years of my kids bringing friends to our house, these kids would begin to adopt Cheryl and I as their second parents. And I'd always ask them, Gary, Kevin, why? Carl, why? Andrew, why? Why do you feel like you want to adopt us as parents? Here was our number one thing. Because Pastor CJ and Cheryl, we feel peace and we feel rest at your home. What is your home like? Are you the cause of the problem? If so, maybe it's time to look at yourself. So many times what happens, we want to point fingers and she's the problem, he's the problem, or the kids are the problem, when maybe we have to examine our own hearts. You see, it takes two to fight. And if someone doesn't take off the boxing gloves, you're always going to be fighting. You see what happens? Pride goes before fall. Pride says, I'm not giving up. Pride says, I'm not surrendering. Pride says, it's my way or the highway. And that's what a lot of times we do. I'm going to win this battle because we are taught be, to be competitive and to always win. And we always take that into also into our family. It's my way because I got to win. But you know what? With family, we're all equal. That we blend together and we make our home a place where it's safe. And that's where love comes into the house. A couple of Wednesdays ago, I was really moved by this story. And uh, when I was moved by the story, we, uh, we've been doing some things on Wednesday nights about uh, 
I love to tell my story. And we've had some great testimonies. Pastor Carolyn shared. Uh, man, Becky and Andrew shared. It was great. I mean, Terry and Jessica just shared. I mean, we've had some great, great testimonies. Just some awesome, awesome testimonies. Sarah and Thomas shared. It just keeps on going, the list of all these people that shared. But this particular one really touched my heart because they became a family throughout a different way, a different avenue. And I want this person to come, and they're going to share about how her and her husband became a family. So I'd like you to welcome Lisa Seaman as she comes, will you? Come on. Your tea, Pastor. This was supposed to be like coffee shop style. I know, man. You were supposed just, to be sipping on your tea. While I didn't want had... to go to the bathroom and take an intermission break. Oh. <laughs> well, I was hoping you were going to take over when I needed to. Yeah, so now what yeah. am I going to do? Lisa shared on a Wednesday night, and uh, it moved me so much about her story. And uh, it's so cool how, how she has uh, been blessed. And I've asked her to come and share. And I know that, Lisa, we, we had a little time, but, but I want you to share it. I'm going to let you have the floor, and I'll interject. But you just introduce yourself or however you want to start and go for it. Okay, so I guess I get about 20 minutes. And um, I think we probably need to schedule a few more sessions because, you know, guess what? I'm that old. So, um, yeah, I could probably speak a while here. Anyway, if if you heard me speak at the Wednesday night church services, this is going to be like part two. So, or maybe it's part four. I don't know, but you're not going to probably hear the same thing again very much. So, and if you missed it, you got to start coming because Wednesday nights, people are awesome. Midweek, get Jesus in you. Midweek, get you nicely to Sunday. Okay, so come and do Wednesday nights with us. They're a blast. Anyway, let me just dive right in here. Um, Quinn and I have been together since 1979. That's a long time ago. <laughs> That's a great date, man. I... I was more laughing about sometimes when you have to scroll. I was 19. <laughs> so was I. We're the same age. Yeah, the same age, I know. <laughs> so, anyway. We're all thinking about just, what, it, what our age is right that, now. I, I can figure it out, yeah, really. Yeah. It's the gray that does the talking right here. Yeah. Um, uh, this year, we will have been married for 37 years. And he came from a non-divorced family, and I came from a divorced family. Um, uh, my parents divorced when I was about 12. And... Uh, I always laugh when Pastor CJ says that he had uh, three fathers. I know he did. It's not, that's not what I giggle about. I giggle because I had six. Oh. <laughs> it's true. I got you beat. <laughs> My mother was the marrying kind. What can I say? Right, Didi? <laughs> that's what she always said. I'm just the marrying kind. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> anyway, that's a story for another day. Um, but uh, when I met Quinn, you know, when you're in high school and stuff, and they say, what are you going to be when you grow up? I always wanted to be a mom. That's what I wanted to be. And, I, you know, I didn't think about being an astronaut or a lawyer or a doctor. I just thought about being a mom. So that was always the game plan for me. Um, you know, sometimes things don't work out the way you plan. And in the moment, you just got to remember there's a greater good, a greater plan involved. But at the time you're in it, it doesn't, you know, seem like that. So um, there was a lot of pain involved with infertility. I couldn't get pregnant, don't know why, unexplained. There there was just never a reason. Everything was fine. Um, It just didn't happen. Um, So I rolled over from that emotional pain for about 10 years. I couldn't do baby showers. I couldn't do, you know, things that have to do with kids because I just wanted my own kids. And um, 
you know, I always thought it was my fault and that it was something that, you know, I did that caused it, you know. Um, at that point, I'd been clean and sober for quite a few years, and I, I just did not understand. I thought, well, maybe something that I did when I was out using or something caused this. And I actually even offered Quinn a way out one day. I, I mean, I just felt like I had to say to him that I will give you a divorce if you, you know, want to, you know, get married to someone and have children with them because I felt that strongly about having children. And he laughed at me. I did not laugh, but he laughed at me for thinking that way. But anyway, um, eventually I kind of just rolled over from the pain and just kind of moved on with life. And I started going to church and really getting involved in church. And this is where the comeback starts. Um, I found a church kind of an unusual way. And I'll, that's a story for another day too. But anyway, I started getting involved with the youth at the church and they were so fun. And I started thinking, you know, like I can just live vicariously through other people, other people's kids. And I mean, you guys need help with your kids, right? I mean, it doesn't hurt to have another couple of adults in there trying to help you out. So um, I ended up becoming the youth and family director and uh, we started going on missions trips and Quinn started coming on missions trips and we started going to sunshine and concerts. And, you know, I just, it just really, um, that was the comeback. God just filled my heart to overflowing with all these kids. I just knew that I didn't need any of my own because I had them. Um, we started going on missions trips and such. And um, that started to reignite this desire to have my own children again after kind of it been sleeping for quite a while. And so we started down the infertility route again with different treatments and such. But when one of the teams says no, to me it's a no for both parts of the team. And I had a farther out boundary in all those treatments than Quinn did. And, um, and it just is what it is. I'm not, I'm not dissing my lovely husband. It just, he didn't want to go through all that IVF and all the, you know, all the stuff that goes with that. And so when he said no, I just had to accept the fact that this was no. And uh, we stopped treatments. But I do have to interject that I had a couple of surgeries along the way. And the other day I was looking down at my stomach, which is very svelte, you know, and uh, <laughs> very nice and flat. And um, I actually, my scars, because I had two surgeries, the first surgery, they went this way at my belly button, and the second surgery, they went this way. I have a perfect cross in my belly button. It's awesome. It's awesome. So, Gee, God, holy. Yeah, God had other plans. I have a holy belly button. That's right. <laughs> Sounded really bad. Anyway, so fast forward a little bit. Um, my uncle passed away, and Quinn and I went to his funeral. And within 10 minutes of being there, now, at this point, we'd had kids in and out of our home that, you know, parents were having trouble with them. Can they come live with you for a few months? And we'd been having kids in and out and stuff like that. And within 10 minutes of being in my uncle's funeral, in walked my cousins that I hadn't seen for 12 years. Now, they had, um, their father was, was my first cousin. He had died in a tragic accident. And we were trying to, back then, Quinn and I considered like trying to get them into our home and, and raise them with us because um, they didn't have a real good place to go. And um, the grandma couldn't get them. And so Quinn and I said, well, if the grandma can't get them, we're not going to get them. They were seven, eight, and nine. So now 12 years later, they walk into their grandpa's funeral and they're looking like they could use a hand. <clears throat> and within 10 minutes, Quinn says, you got a place to live? Yeah, no, not really. 
Do you have a job? No. Do you want to learn how to drywall? And, the guy, and Josh said, yeah. And so Quinn invited Josh, my second cousin, to move in with us. Um, when he moved in with us, he said, you know, we were not in a good way. And my sister is still at the place where I was, and it's not a good place to be. Um, can I bring her in too? So two weeks later, his sister Holly moved in with us, and she happened to be four months pregnant. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> I love you. So she moved in with us, and um, they both stayed with us. And in uh, 2006, I found out that I needed to have a complete hysterectomy. And so Quinn said, why don't we recover in Texas? At this point, we had been going down there on missions trip, helping Tapestries of Life um, build an orphanage in the desert of Mexico. And, you know, we down there for a week and back and down and back. And uh, he said, you know, we've got eight weeks of you being off work. Why don't we go down there and serve in that eight weeks? And my mother said, you're going to do what to my daughter who just had major surgery? Drive her all the way down to Texas? I don't think so. But um, the doctor gave us permission, and so we went. So Holly and Josh came with us, and they worked down there with us. And um, then we were, had a work team down there that said, you know what? Um, she's like getting ready to deliver. You better go home. So we drove back home just in time for Jessa to be born. Do we have a picture of Jessa? Here she is. This is our Jessa. And so for, <laughs> she's all embarrassed now. So from um, birth until 11 months old, uh, they had stayed in our house. Um, I got up in the middle of the night and fed her and changed her diapers. It was kind of my routine to do the middle of the night stuff. And um, then at 11 months old, um, her mom decided that she wanted to move out, and so they moved out. This is where the story gets a little bit hard. Um, so we went through a lot over the next four years of having Jessa in our home for a month or two at a time, and then gone for a month or two at a time, and then back for another month or two, and it went on this way until she was five. Um, the Matthews is just ugly, and people get so addicted, and you try your best to help. And we did everything we could to help the best we could, but at one point, we finally realized that our help actually wasn't helping anymore. It was probably contributing to things continuing. So we, we kind of had to just pull back. So um, we were scheduled to go down to Guadalajara, Mexico for language immersion. And a week before we got on the plane, we got a call from Wisconsin asking us if we would come get Jessa and um, take her into our home. And we're like, yeah, sure, why not? So she was like three, I think. And uh, so we, she got her little princess suitcase and pulled it behind her and off to Guadalajara, foreign country, foreign language, knew nobody, brand new three-year-old. She'd been in and out of her home, but and, you know, full-time every day, there she came. So she had a blast in Guadalajara. She was almost starting to speak Spanish when we left. It was pretty cool. Um, the kids down there, you know, her, she was very blonde when she was a baby. And so the kids down there with all their dark hair, they would they'd see this little white girl with the, with the blonde hair, and they'd pick her up and they'd carry her. And we'd go do mercy days where we fed the poor. I never would see her feet hit the ground. She would be carried everywhere she went. They would pass her around to each other. They just loved her blonde hair. So cute. Um, at five years old, and then she did go back, and we did a back and forth for another 
couple of years, but at five years old, she became ours permanently. Um, that was a real tough time. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Um, it was real tough at first, though, because she'd gone through a lot, and I asked her permission. I said, I won't say what you went through because it still makes me cry, but she said, you know what, Mom? In my words, not hers, but similar meaning, she said, those scars are what made me who I am, and she's right. You know, she's right, and she's fought through those scars, and she's come a long, long way, but in those first few days, it was pretty tough. It was, she had real severe night terrors, and um, it was very, very hard to see, and um, she didn't know. It wasn't hard on her. She had no clue, but it was hard on us. And uh, there's been some stuff, but she's worked her way through it, and she just was on the A honor roll, and we couldn't be more proud of her. Couldn't be more proud of her. So she came to us right before my, my mom had bought us a cruise for, I don't know if my sister knew this. You know, she always tried to keep everything equal, my mom did. So I'm sorry if mom didn't tell you, but she bought us a cruise for our 30th wedding anniversary. However, it was only our 29th She's anniversary. She's getting jealous over there already. <laughs> it was only our 29th, but we weren't going to correct her. I mean, come on now. So... So Jessa, when, at the five-year point there, just like language school, a couple weeks out of the cruise, here comes Jessa. <laughs> so Jessa got to go on her first cruise at five years old. So um, we like to kid around a little bit that God really has a sense of humor, and he does. Um, we retired first, and then we had children. So that's a fun one. And so let's see, we're in our late 50s. Quinn is probably in his early 60s, and we're raising Jessa, and we're coming up for a family visit, and some friends of ours from Texas want us to bring a, a puppy down for them, and we surprised Jessa with a puppy of her own, and so we went up to Iowa to pick up these puppies, and we got a call saying, would we come get Corbin, who was eight years, eight months old, rather, at that time, so here's Corbin, Jessa's baby brother. We weren't expecting to be traveling with two puppies and a baby. I wouldn't advise it. I wouldn't even advise it if you're young. So, yeah, that was a tough one, huh? Driving around with two, two dogs and a baby. So, anyway, um, fast forward a little bit more. We've now got Corbin and Jessa, and Jessa's adoption was going to go through. So, my mom and my sister both flew down to Texas to be part of her adoption. We were surrounded by friends and family. It was just an awesome, awesome day. Um, my sister, when she was down there, got a call that her husband still wasn't feeling well, and um, she came home to find out that her high school sweetheart um, had cancer, and he and, uh, eventually passed away then after about, what, four or five weeks? It wasn't a couple months. It wasn't very long. We didn't have a lot of time left with him. Um, six months after that, my mother had a major heart attack. And the day after she had her heart attack, uh, CPS told us that Corbin was going to be reunited with his mom and dad, which we, was a complete shock to us because we thought he was ours. So um, that was, um, I didn't know if I was going to make it back from that, having to give him up. And my mom was sick. We only had a few days. So Quinn kind of fought for some extra time, and we ended up getting a month um, with Corbin. Two of those weeks I spent with my sister and and my mom in the hospital, and then two weeks I got with Corbin before um, Quinn flew him back up to reunite him up here. So he reunited. Um, at that point, Jess's next baby brother had been born. That was Easton. 
And so Corbin and Easton were together. They were kind of in a little bit of like a foster home setting. And it was just too much for her. She just couldn't do both kids. And so then Corbin reunited with his dad. However tough that was, how I didn't think I was going to make it through that, um, he's doing fantastic. His dad changed his whole life around. And I know social services don't get to see those stories often. He completely changed his life. He's taking care of Corbin. They're doing fantastic. We still get to see them. Um, but we were down in Texas, so it was going to be real hard to see them. And with my brother-in-law passing away and with my mom passing away, we felt like my sister could probably use a little bit of help, and we wanted Jessa to be able to have contact with her brother. So we really felt like it was time to move back from Texas. Um, Texas kind of started to not fit anymore, and it really reminded us that, you know, God opens doors that no man can close, and he closes doors that no man can open. So he opened the door for us to move home. Um, he started in our hearts, and then he moved us here. You know, we wanted to be closer. We wanted to make sure Jessa had a continued relationship with her brother. So we moved back to Wisconsin. Um, some things happened in the home that she was in, and we got the call to take Easton. Would we take Easton? Easton was 13 months at the time, so here's Easton. Oh, that's Michael. Go back one. There's Easton. There's Easton. A lot of you already know Easton. So we thought having a baby at our age, I don't even know, I've lost track now. Let's just say we're in our 60s now, okay? And here we are with another baby. <laughs> and uh, we had to do tag team stuff. It's your turn to get up in the middle of the night. And uh, so, <laughs> so we, we took in Easton. Um, and during that time, um, I just have to tell you, when he was born, we had already met Easton but before we got him, but when he was born, I, I couldn't hold him. And I, I feel really bad and even, like, ashamed to tell you this, but um, I just I didn't want to love him because I didn't want to lose him. And um, so, anyway, I didn't hold Easton until we actually got him. And um, so Easton came to live with us. Um, and so in order for him to live with us, we needed to get our foster care license. So we started to take some classes, um, some trainings. And at one of the trainings, we met up with Leah and John Jacobs, for those of you who know them. They are here, are they? Are you here? Okay. Um, and so um, I had already known them, but I didn't like know them, know them. Um, and I found out that she was pregnant again. And so I started like planting seeds. And so we ran into them at a training and I said to them, uh, hey, you know, do you guys want another baby? And they're like, oh, no, 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 we, no, no, we're good. We're good. I'm like, oh, okay. Just, you know, I just started praying it in. Just started praying it in because I thought, wouldn't it be cool to have this new baby somewhere close where the kids could have a relationship? Because we knew we just, we could not do another baby. We just couldn't. So we had another training in Superior and the Jacobs were there again. And I flippantly kind of asked them again about it, you know, and they looked like they were willing to kind of think about it. Well, I wanted them to jump up and down and say, yeah, we'll take the next baby. They didn't do that, but that's okay. So a couple months later, they called and said, would you guys like to come to dinner and talk? I'm like, sure. So after that, we knew that they, the door was, the hearts were opening, the door was starting to open. And so I started calling 
all the different counties that could potentially have, you know, encountered them coming in to have the baby um, and saying, there's this couple up here, there's this couple up here, and I just kept calling, there's a couple up here, there's a couple up here in, up here in Burnett County that would take him. And so she went into labor and they called, the social worker called me and said, what was the name of those people again? So I told her and she called them and they ended up getting Michael at two days old. You can show Michael now. He's coming. Michael's coming. There he is. There's Michael. So we are so, yeah, he's so cute. We are so incredibly blessed with our new family and the ability of our children to be near their siblings and we're one big family. They've opened up their home to us. They invite us over for, we're gonna get to see them be adopted in two days, three days. We're so excited about that. You know, God knows what he's doing. He really does. And um, so our hopes and our dreams were fulfilled by a gracious, kind, loving father who gives us the desires of our hearts. Not always in the way that we hope or we plan, um, but he did. So, I mean, there's, going to be things that I will never know how they feel. You know, I don't know how it feels to be pregnant. I will never know how it feels to give birth. Maybe that's a good thing. Yeah, um, yeah. the ladies in the house, yeah. Um, I will have never experienced a baby shower, you know, but God, he knows the plans. And it doesn't help to ask why. You know, I can ask him why when I get there. Um, I don't know why people die young. I don't know why babies die. I don't know why these kids, in fact, can we just stop and pray for the kids in St. Croix Falls? So Lord God, we just um, come to you right now, Lord God, and we just ask you to just take your hand and place it upon these families, Lord, and give them a strength and a peace that they don't even know that passes all understanding, Lord God, as they go through this time um, with their, their children passing away. And Lord God, we just ask you to put a hedge of protection around them, Lord God, and give them strength, give them supernatural strength, and just uh, put a hedge of protection around the students in St. Croix Falls, and just keep them in your prayers, the families. And Lord God, we just thank you for who you are in Jesus' name. Amen. So I, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't help to ask why, but I do know one thing. I do know that God's, God does not call this um, he does not cause this because the word says that everything good is from God. So if it's not good, it's not God. So I decided not to ask why on these things that I just can't understand. But what I do know is that I need to seize the opportunity and the blessings that he has kindly given me and take care of them in the way that he would want them taken care of. And if I get stuck in the why and I get stuck in the past, I'm going to miss the now. Family, don't be led by your emotions. Be led by the word of God. I could have missed huge blessings by allowing my emotions to lead me. He can bring beauty out of the ashes. It might not look like it in the moment, but he has brought me massive beauty, massive beauty from my ashes. Beauty I could, could have missed. Don't be led or moved by what you see. Be led by his promises and his faithfulness because they will uphold you. And when you've done all you can, stand because his love will never fail you, and his mercies are new over and over. Go ahead and start the video. Oh, the beauty To think of who you are is all 
the promises you made, they will uphold me. How you hold me, your compassions never end. Your mercies are. privilege of being with Lisa and Quinn when they adopted Ethan. It was so cool. I'll never forget going in that courtroom and being able to celebrate with this family. And I want to say to you today, it doesn't matter how your family came together. You have a family. And I want to encourage you, be that encourager to your family. Be the support to your family. And maybe you're having struggles within your family, but I want to encourage you also to take 
you be the first one to take the gloves off. You be the first one that steps forward and says, maybe I'm sorry. I said some harsh things. I've done some bad things. I ask you for forgiveness because God intends for the family to be blessed. And back to that high school coach, he was right. God first, family second. We need you. God needs you. God needs his family to be complete. And Lisa, your family's completed. You didn't know how God was going to bring it together. That's right. But he brought it together. Yes. I want you to do me the honors. I want you to pray over these families today. Awesome. Look at this place. Yes. Will you do that? Thank you for allowing us to go late today. Father God, we just thank you and praise you for who you are, Lord God. Lord God, sometimes we don't understand, Lord God. And just help us to not get hung up in that, Lord God, but to keep pressing forward that your mercies are new every day, Lord God, over and over, and your love will never fail. Lord God, help us to reach out to each other in those times where we have needs like that, Lord God, that we can stand strong, that you are our anchor, Lord God. Lord God, I just ask you to bless every single person in this place today with whatever they're going through, Lord God, that you, that you will help them understand that you are everything they need that you will provide everything that they need. Lord God, I just thank you for this church family. Bless them as they go out, Lord Jesus. Bless them in your mighty name. Amen. Amen. God bless you today. Give the Lord praise. Amen. Love thank you for listening to this week's message from Adventure Church. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, please consider supporting us. You can make an easy and safe donation on our website www.adventurechurchsiren.com slash give. Thank you for your generous donation.